0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of Beyond the Chalkboard. My name is Dr. Gordon Cobb, and I am thrilled to be your host this season. This podcast creates opportunities for KPU faculty to share ideas, inspire innovation, and give real-world examples of successful technology-based teaching strategies. Thanks for tuning in. On episode one of Beyond the Chalkboard Season two, I am talking with Candy Ho, a faculty member in the Educational Studies Department at KPU, where she teaches the courses Introduction to Higher Education and Post University Transition. On this episode, Candy and I talk about the importance of creating welcome videos, connecting with students online, using video as an assessment tool, and incorporating podcasts into curricula. Let's get started. Okay, so I am here with Candy Ho. Candy, say hello. Hello. It's really great to have you on Beyond the Chalkboard. I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at KPU.
1: Okay, well, I am currently a faculty member in Educational Studies, Faculty of Arts, where I teach my dream courses. So we're talking about transition courses to and from university, so Introduction to Higher Education, which is Education 1100, and then 4100, Post-University Transition, which helps with students' career development and beyond.
0: Wow, awesome. And how did you end up at KPU?
1: I was working at um, Simon Fraser University for about a decade in student affairs. And if you can imagine a wide range of jobs from student orientation, campus life, academic advising, residence, careers, you name it, and then I realized what I really like is helping students with their careers and also teaching. So found myself in a role in uh, cooperative education as a faculty member, and then, then it came another realization that I just, I really wanna teach in Ed Studies In those particular courses so after applying uh, for a couple of times and talking to a lot of folks and conducting information interviews I found myself here
0: perfect there's nothing like having your dream job right
1: I I pinch myself because I'm like am I still in this job yes oh my gosh life it's amazing
0: So Candy, I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about some of the technology that you use and how you're integrating it within your classroom to further student learning and higher education. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is your welcome videos.
1: Okay, so these welcome videos I I create using Adobe Spark and um, I am in no way uh, well-versed in making videos at all, but the program itself makes it extremely simple. Um, I create lines, so basically introducing people about the course, why they should care about the course, and then my expectations as an instructor, and then welcome, looking forward to seeing you during the first week. So these simple lines and each one um, allows you to create create a slide, maybe choose an image or a photo or even a video that you've recorded, pick some background music, record all of your lines, and then you're done. You're creating literally less than one minute of a story to introduce your course to the class.
0: That's really cool. I do the same thing for my classes, but I just do it in QuickTime using the built-in camera. And um, I'll often hook up a USB microphone so that Mm -hmm. the audio is a little better. And the feedback that I get from students is that when they get that link to the video I put it in the Moodle site Um, you can either stick it in Kaltura and run it from Kaltura or I run a YouTube channel so I just um, embed it from my YouTube channel the students tell me that when I do those introductory videos it gives them a feeling or a sense that they know me before the class begins so when they show up they feel a little bit more familiar and it's not as scary to show up to a class where you don't know anybody because you already feel like you know your instructor a little bit. And getting that feedback was... Uh, a bit of a revelation for me because i was just doing it because it seemed like the most direct way for me to tell them you know here's your here's your textbook and show it to them and please bring a pencil because we're doing music theory and you can't use pen and here's my expectations but i didn't take into consideration the um the aspects of student wellness that would inadvertently come out of that And it also gives them a chance for me to get to know my personality a little bit because I'm very fun in my classes. I like to use humor a lot and sass to to help students feel more comfortable so that it's not super serious Mm -hmm. and that I'm not a super serious guy. And you can come and talk to me. You can ask me questions. And so now I make it like absolutely a for sure thing that I have to do for every course that I teach. It's mandatory for me because I know that it has different kinds of impacts for the students.
1: That's awesome. And for the audience that are not watching this interaction, basically I've been nodding my head at every single one of Gordon's words.
0: (laughs) So true. I wanted to also ask you, you told me that you use a program for connecting with your students if they can't make your office hours and I think it's called Whereby?
1: It's um whereby.com, and um, basically you sign up. Again, it's a free account, sucker for freebies. You go online, register for an account, and then they give you a free room. You can use it with a free basic account for up to three to four people. You can meet at the same time, and um, it is the transition is much better than, let's say, Skype for Business or or yeah. Skype.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I find uh, Skype to be a little spotty. Yes. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, What I really like to use the most is just FaceTime on my phone. But of course, we Mm -hmm. can't do that with our students. So uh, I think this is a really great tip. I'm going to have to look. Uh, whereby up as well. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you one more story related to that? Yeah, of course. So, in my course, we get students to conduct mock interviews of one another and they videotape these interviews. And um, it was, I think it was a spring semester because KPU had a snow day and a group of my students were scheduled to meet to record their videos together. Ah. So instead they were in the comfort of their of their home, own home they were dressed up in suits and conducting these interviews and I I watched the recording
0: That's so cool. How many people can interact at one time?
1: Up to 4, I believe, but definitely 3.
0: Wow, so they they just show up on the screen. Mhm. That's Pretty awesome. I know that there's a Google product that does that, but we try to stay away from Google products because the information is stored in the, yes. the U.S. So. Yes. Okay, um, the next thing I want to talk about is... The way that you use QuickTime, I know that I use QuickTime, so I'm a Mac user, and Candy, you're a Mac user. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so uh, QuickTime, from time to time, I also record video lectures just in case. Um, Again, I think there was another snow day which we had to cancel class. So instead of making up for for lost time, I just quickly created an online lecture students can view it it's already up on Moodle and I it's a Kaltura media video item so it's it's easy to download and upload and then um, I also use QuickTime to mark e-portfolios which is uh, a big assignment in my career career development class so mm. I as I scroll through I use the screen capture yeah option so screen capture a student's portfolio and as I scroll through they would hear my comments they would know what I'm looking at how I'm tracking it and give them I guess in a sense real-time feedback as I'm marking
0: so why would you do an audio feedback uh, method instead of just like um, a written feedback method
1: there's there's actually um, i think practical sense i think i found that i found that it saved me more time but i've received really good feedback from students saying you know what it's I, I like the sound of your voice. It's calming to, to hear your feedback along the way. And um, I guess the intonation and, and the way I express myself through the microphone, they can also use it to justify why they got the mark that they received. So, for example, I had a student who came with the feedback. She wasn't exactly happy with the mark, but she's like, you know what? I can understand because you were it's like you were sitting next to me explaining what I can do better with my particular e-portfolio. E- and what I need to know in the future.
0: It's sort of like when you send a text to somebody, you can't necessarily tell what the context of the text is, and it's the same with written notes. Mm -hmm. You could write something like, um, you can do better, right? And if you write that down, the student might think that you're saying, you could do better, but you might be thinking... You could totally do better. Like that might be your intention is to be uh, supportive and encouraging, but the student might read it as really negative. So the, you know, the reason I asked you that question is because I believe if you use video or audio feedback, the students feel like you're connecting with them more directly about it. Yes. And it's way more personal. Yes. Right? And if, the, if you have a good relationship with your students, then that can come off in the video or the audio feedback that you give but that may not necessarily come off in written notes that you give them.
1: Yes, and I should also contextualize by saying that the ePortfolio assignment is the final assignment, if you will, that co- encompass all of their learning in the course together. So they're receiving this feedback maybe during the last week or last week of courses or even the first week of their exams when they're, they're super stressed, right? Thinking about how to wrap up the semester. So I've at least have um, half a dozen students saying, it's really calming to hear your voice thank you for this feedback
0: oh that's so nice so nice yeah yeah i mean anything that i can do to make finals week better for our students yeah yeah it's like if i could just send them all a package of chocolate and candy um so what other ways might you use QuickTime? like when would you do an audio quick time and when would you do a video quick time
1: The audio quick time, I use less and less because I really like that they can see my screen and what I'm trying to do as I walk them through their evaluation or walking them through a process or like I mentioned earlier, recording lectures. Um, I would, For example, if there is a um, if there's a discussion that's happening during the the week um, and as I glean through all of the groups and their discussion, sometimes I'd like to make a summary of tying everything in together and making sure that the the, the learning is amplified for all of the students by summarizing.
0: Yeah, I think you can also do this same process in Kaltura. Uh, ah. I was talking to Robin Leung, he, who works here at the Teaching and Learning Commons, and he told me that you can do essentially a QuickTime video in Kaltura, that it sets you up to do that. And then it also puts it directly into Kaltura, which can put it then directly into oh, your Moodle. Oh, perfect. And I just haven't had the time to check that out yet. Yes. Um, because I'm an old dog and I'm you know still setting my ways and trying to learn new tricks. But um, I think I'm going to try that because I think it'll essentially just use the same camera that quicktime does on yeah. your on your computer but it'll put it directly into your moodle which saves you a step
1: exactly cuz the uploading sometimes depending on the size of the file it takes a long time long so that's time. that's great thanks for the tip
0: yeah we'll have to check that out together yeah. and hey I'll, thanks robin yeah <laughs> shout out to robin leung Another thing that you had told me before we um, started this interview is that you use videos and podcasts a lot in your classes. Mm -hmm. And this is something I I use videos a lot, uh, videos that I find on YouTube, but I haven't used a podcast yet. So tell me how you how you do that in your class. Unpack that for me.
1: Yeah. Okay. so I should start by saying that I am a podcast junkie. I I, I like to relax. When I relax, let's say if I'm doing chores, actually, no, that's the opposite of relax. It's because I need to be doing something listening to something as I'm doing chores, podcasts are naturally a good way to do that. And because I have a 45 minute commute to and from campus, I also need to be listening to something. So uh, I listen to a lot of it. Uh, HBR, uh, Ideas Cast is my go-to along with any of the TED Talks. So whenever I hear something that could be really relevant because everything is relevant to career development, I try to capture it um, in no more than let's say between three to five minutes, because that's how much uh, of the attention span of of our students are these days, yeah. and uh, I, and I play it for them. And when I so I've just started to experiment and I have introduced two podcasts along the way. And what I do is I get them to listen, but also get them to to take notes or draw or think of things that really resonate with them. And then after playing the podcast, then I get them to do a one minute or 30 second quick write on what did you just listen to? How is it related to the course, the objective that we're trying to accomplish that week? And how is it related to their own career development and their situation?
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So the one that I sent you, the one I had in mind was the art of the interview, because that particular week we would be doing information interviews and the story um, that this podcast, the person who is um, who's being interviewed was trying to show the the host on how he goes about uh, meeting people, meeting random strangers on on the train and getting to know their life story, because I believe he's he's got a journalist background.
0: Right, and so where do we find that
1: podcast? Uh, HBR Ideas Cask. It's called The Art of the Interview.
0: And what does HBR stand for?
1: Harvard Business Review.
0: I think what's happening is the podcast world is just exploding, and there's so many celebrities and uh, you know scholars mm-hmm. who are hosting podcasts now because you can actually monetize them and start to make a living off your podcast yeah so you know maybe it's just new to me but it feels like the world of the podcast has really come into popular culture in a way that it it maybe hadn't a few years ago what do you think
1: yeah well i am um, you're right because it's only in the recent years that i've started listening to podcasts or like you know ev- everybody has a podcast or people that i know are really into it but i also think our our lifestyle kind of lends itse- itself to that so um not trying to not have as much screen time as possible um, trying to defriend Netflix, for example, means that okay, um, maybe I need to be engaged with something else and podcasts could be a potentially really good solution to that. Um, I don't have any insight on the monetizing, although I'm beginning to see that as a trend because I'm noticing a lot more ads um in, in you know, breaks during the podcast and I'm like, Oh, yeah. you're trying to sell me something again. I see that.
0: Yeah. For sure, because my YouTube channel monetizes, and so I make money off the channel.
1: Ah. And
0: so it makes sense that, of course, your podcast, it's just going to stream, and it's going to make money as well. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast as an assignment for your students?
1: I haven't thought about it until this summer when I participated in the um, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals Open Pedagogy Fellowship, mouthful, where uh, one of the colleagues that we were paired with from Montgomery College, um, she has her students doing podcast. And um, because part of the process is getting students to care about to do a podcast on something that they care about, they're responsible for looking up the materials, researching, and making sure that wherever whichever sources that they're going to are credible. So evaluating that, and then bringing together all of the information in the I guess in a coherent fashion in the podcast. So she's got a lot of success.
0: Yeah, when I, I guess if it's a podcast and you're putting it online you really want to make sure your sources are credible because mm-hmm. it's going to have a life of its own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, um, I did a project with um, uh, Dr. Jocelyn Limburner here in the psychology department. Do you know yes. Jocelyn?
1: I just had a meeting with her this afternoon. Yeah,
0: she's amazing, isn't yes, she? Yes, she is. Yes. Shout out to Jocelyn Limburner. Hi, Jocelyn. Uh, we made films with students um, in a third-year course about um, psychopathy. And so the students were creating films that were based on topics that they were covering in the class or they had learned about in their three years in the psychology department. And the feedback that I got from the students is that we like this better than a paper because even though it is in many ways similar to making a paper, you have to do research and you have to write a document and then in this case, we're just filming it, but that goes online and connects with people that we don't even know and it might help them. And so that work that we've done has a real purpose in the real world mm-hmm. as compared to a paper that gets written, read by a teacher and then either recycled or given back to you. And it doesn't connect you with anybody. It doesn't help anybody except for, you know, me, the person who wrote it. Yes. And so I'm thinking podcasts might do the same sort of thing.
1: Mm hmm. It's a renewable assignment in and of itself, and um, I—you've um, sparked an idea for me because for our 4100 course, career um, university transition course. Students are asked to look at their family history, so their family background, um, any trends and patterns that are related to uh, occupational choices, and then they're asked to also look forward by conducting information interviews with individuals whose career or occupations that they admire that they want to go into. In the past, it's been um, the only choice of, um, I guess, submission has been uh, reflection papers. But we're expanding that to include video submissions. You can do a class presentation because chances are you've got other students that might be interested in your interviews and your background. Infographic. And I think when I go home now, I'm going to add podcast.
0: Wow, that's great. And, you know. The more autonomy you give your students, the more safe they feel in the course because they feel like they have some choice. And just having a little bit of choice makes such a big difference. And maybe you don't want to write a paper. Maybe you're a visual artist and you want to do a collage or you're um, a vocalist or you're a writer and you're an aspiring podcaster and now mm-hmm. you get to do a podcast you know there's going to be so much more buy-in when you get to choose how to deliver an assignment yeah I think and that's when they idea. care
1: about something the quality is always guaranteed to be a lot better yeah there's ownership
0: yeah in that process excellent okay so i thought we could start the rapid fire segment okay. are you right. ready i am ready okay here we go Favorite piece of hardware?
1: My Snowball USB microphone, which you have just taught me how to do, how to use better.
0: Perfect. Um, PC or Mac? Mac. Obviously. Sweet or savory?
1: You can tell from my name that it's sweet. Uh,
0: uh, favorite movie?
1: Uh... Lots of Marvel movies are my favorite, but yes. currently King's Speech comes to mind. Oh wow. Yeah, Noldy but a goodie.
0: Out of left field, King's it's Speech. Soundtrack.
1: Something about the soundtrack.
0: Excellent. In a Disney animated film, who do you usually like better? The hero or the villain?
1: I was thinking the, the villain that turned heroes. Oh. Right? Like there there are a few of them.
0: Redemption.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. If you could have a superpower, what would it be?
1: Um, I think I'm, I'm currently honing. So, in the career development world, we believe that career development is a superpower. So, I'm working on that right now.
0: Okay, yeah, it's it's coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> um, if you were an existing superhero, who would you be?
1: Captain Marvel.
0: Nice. Yes, I love that Captain Marvel was cast as a woman. Did not oh, you love that? Oh my gosh!
1: Yes. Uh uh-huh. Fell in love with her this summer. Yeah, she's yeah. so good. Yeah, so
0: good. Uh. If you weren't in your current vocation here at KPU, what other career path might you have taken?
1: Okay, you're so you're wearing a jigsaw puzzle shirt. It's been my all-time favorite childhood activity. So my 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 dream career would be a jigsaw puzzle assembler, if they have such a such jobs.
0: That's a great dream. I'd love to get
1: paid to do this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm a puzzler. <laughs> uh, name one of your heroes.
1: So the um, person who said career development is a superpower. Serena Hopkins is my hero. She's the executive director of the Canadian Career Development Foundation.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Shout out to...
1: Serena Hopkins.
0: Okay. Hopefully she'll hear this. Um, who was your favorite childhood teacher?
1: It's um, my dad who taught me how to manipulate paper into really cool origami objects. Oh, yeah.
0: Wow. Your dad. I didn't expect that. That's nice. Hashtag <laughs> ten tears. Who was your favorite university professor?
1: I'm gonna go with my amazing doctoral supervisor, Chris Magnuson, who also taught me about career development and how to integrate it in life design.
0: Who is connected to my supervisor, Dr. Susan O'Neill, who is my hero. Thank you, Susie, for everything what do you love most about your job
1: well aside from teaching my dream courses it's the ability to have um to be able to work with fellow faculty and staff who are passionate about what they do and really the cool thing is i get to choose the sandboxes i can play with and and the people that i get to hang out with
0: nice uh what do you love most about kpu
1: the community um, I think the fact that you can say hi to everybody as you're walking across or at least smile. Um, I think people are very open-minded here and um, being able to teach in the small class size of maximum 35 students really get, get, really help you get to build that community yourself and help be part of that community that welcomes students.
0: Very nice. Wow. okay my last question for you is advice so what recommendation or advice would you give to other faculty who are looking to start using technology in their classroom
1: okay so i've given this a lot of thought i've got uh three so uh first Talk to the knowledgeable people from the Teaching and Learning Commons. I'm really thinking Leanne and Robin there because I bug them a lot. Tell them about your goals and what you're hoping to achieve because chances are they'll give you more information than you need. And here's the other thing I really liked about them is because they're natural connectors, they will say, oh, so-and-so is trying to do this. Why don't you go talk to them? So effectively, you've just found a sandbox and somebody's already playing and that so you're never really starting from scratch which also is one of the things that I really like about KPU um, the last one is a two-parter so be a learner but also involve students as part of the learning process so being a learner means that yeah we're we're educators but we're not often the people who have the expertise and knowledge so yeah. be vulnerable be open about that and and failure is okay because I think when I for example when i first tested uh QuickTime for the very very first time uh i forgot to turn on the um the volume for my microphone so the entire video um did not have sound to it and by the time you know i've got five emails from a student going like i just hear you nodding your head a lot so we had a laughing uh, uh, you know, ha-ha-ha moment, but I also, you know, it puts me in a very um, humble position because now I remember what it was like to be, uh, to learn and to struggle and this is a common student experience so instead we bonded over that it was nothing about pride so we're trying to learn for the first time and um, I think there's something to be said about bringing students along for the journey and um, also helping them uh, figure out what, what how they want to get out of the, the edtech um, using the edtech and um, are there any other uses that came as a surprise to them that I should also know that would benefit my learning so we're really all doing this together
0: yeah I couldn't agree more you hit the nail on the head (laughs) Uh, I just want to thank you Candy Ho for coming and talking to me about education technology in the classroom and uh, thank you very much
1: thank you very much and thank you for listening
0: beyond the chalkboard was created by Caitlin Kozlowski Season 2 of Beyond the Chalkboard is produced, written, recorded, hosted, and edited by me, Dr. Gordon Cobb. For more information about educational technology at KPU, please visit the Teaching and Learning Commons website, or follow us on our blog site, Friday Morning Coffee, our Twitter site, or our newsletter series, all of which can be found on our website at kpu.ca forward slash Teaching dash and dash learning. Thanks for joining us.